okay. I was really glad when they told us that we could, we didn't have to follow the monthly or the day, the week by week um, Bible readings. And I had something this week in my own personal Bible reading that I found such a blessing. And I found an Old Testament reading to go with it that I love. Anyway, so I'm going to share those with you today because they seem so appropriate for the time that we're in right now. So my first one uh, is from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 to 14. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. And then the New Testament reading was in John chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Amen. Thank you for that, sweetheart. Um, today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost in the for the Jews. It was fifty days after the what we call Easter now, after that major Passover, um, and it was a time of celebrating the first fruits that God had given the nation. So when they came together, they went. People went basically went to Jerusalem for the Passover, and there were one hundred and twenty at the time. There were one hundred and twenty believers. Um, who had put their faith in Jesus and were waiting for God to do something and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And so this is the Pentecost. And, and, and so they were they were meeting together. And that's where Acts chapter 2 comes to pass. Now, I'm not going to read the entire chapter. I'm just going to give you the basic background because we're looking at something in particular today. On the church's birthday, we need to ask ourselves, what should a church be doing? What does a church do? How does the church function? What does it mean to be a church? What does it mean to practice as a church? All those things were set at the very beginning of Pentecost. So we're not going to read the whole thing. Um, and we're going to, because I'm going to, like I said, I'll give you the background and then we'll come down to some of the teaching, which we're going to probably start down in about verse, um, oh, verse, uh, 
26, I think it is, somewhere in that range. Maybe a little bit later on. Let's pray, and we'll, we'll get started this morning with some background, and then we'll get into the message. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that even during these challenging times, Lord, we can, we can still take part in one of the things that the church did back, the, back in those days. They shared in the teaching of your word. And Lord, we may be restricted in so many things we can do, but we are blessed to have the technology that we can share in the teaching of doctrine, the teaching of truth. And I pray we might bear fruit in that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're at Pentecost. Uh, the Jews were come. They were all accord. They are all one together in, in the place at Pentecost. The 120 of them were. And then they suddenly, out of out of nowhere, comes a mighty rushing wind. It filled the house. They had flames like tongues of fire over their heads. Verse 4 said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So this was the coming of the Holy Spirit. And therefore the birth of the church. There could be no church without the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the crowd responded and they, they thought they were speaking in tongues. They were all heard their own languages. There was mass confusion. Um, they accused the apostles of being drunk, um, which they couldn't have been. Uh, and all over, you, you can read through there the places that were there. How can we understand that? And some mocked them and said, wait, wait, they're just drunk. But then Peter gets up in verse 14. Peter was one of the eleven. One of the eleven disciples. And Peter gets up and he gives the first message in the church at Pentecost. Um, he tells them to hear his words. He said, we're not drunk. Uh, it's only the third hour of the day. He goes back and he quotes a prophecy from the book of Joel about the Holy Spirit being poured out. Um, down by verse 22, he says this, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst. And you knew about that. He said, him you delivered over. He goes through and he tells the Jews that they took the Messiah and they killed him. In verse 24, the importance of the resurrection because there Peter says, Whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that Christ should be held by the chains of death. Then he goes on to quote David in one of the Psalms. Uh, down in verse 29, he says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely of this patriarch David who's dead and buried. He was a prophet. He was speaking of Jesus Christ when he wrote this psalm. He was speaking of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That he would he would die, he would be raised up again, he'd be exalted, he'd be sitting at the right hand of God, and he'd pour out the Holy Spirit. And today is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Did you get that? Peter says, Jesus would come, he would die, he'd be buried, he'd be raised again, and he'd pour out his spirit, and that promise is being fulfilled today. Um, down, Let's go down to verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to their hearts. And they asked Peter, what do we need to do? Okay? What do we need to do as a result of all this? Uh, they're, they're the whole, they, they were convicted of their sin. And that's when we come down to the very first aspect of the church. The very first thing that had to happen, the very foundation for the church, for the true church, the body of Christ, is in verse 38. <coughs> Therefore Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remissions of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Ghost. The first thing that happened in the church, Peter said, 
they had to repent. Repentance is a doctrine that's not taught on a whole lot. It means turning away from your sin, turning away from your old mindset, turning away from your old lifestyle, having a total change of mind, and turning around and going this way because our hearts and our minds and our lives have been changed. We repent of our sins. We symbolize that repentance of sin by being baptized, and we receive the Holy Ghost. Repentance was the first thing that had to happen. So believers in the church, the body of Christ is made up of those who have repented of their sin and they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Without that, nobody is truly a part of the church. Why do we have to repent? Because we were all, every one of us, were born into sin. There is no one that does good, no, not one. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can do all the do's and don'ts. We can be the best neighbors and the best friends and do the things we talked about in the daily devotions this week and still end up going to hell because we've never put our faith in Christ. We've never repented of our sins. And repentance is the first thing you have to do. The second mark of the church is that people are baptized. Now, I'm not going to go into this now. From the context of that sentence, it looks like baptism is a requirement. Baptism, we, we can read through the rest of the scripture, though, that baptism does not wash away sins. But baptism is a, is a mark of repentance. It marks the fact that we were dead to our old man, we were buried in our sins, and we were raised to walk in newness of Christ. Now, we as a local church... Make that make that a, a a requirement for membership. You need to be saved by faith. You need to be baptized by immersion to show your faith in Christ. The result of repentance is that our sins are forgiven. The first thing the church shares in, the first thing the body of Christ shares in after repentance is salvation. The church is made up of people who've had their sins forgiven. And their sins washed away. I watched part of a um, workers' conference this week in the midst of everything else that was going on this week. I watched part of a European workers' conference this week. And, um, and in that conference, one of the guys was talking about what it means to be forgiven. And he's kind of giving an illustration of what happens if you talk to Jesus. And, and you know, he went through the first part and said all these trials you went through. And Jesus said, yeah, I was praying for you then. I was praying for you. Then the second thing he did, he went about saying well, about forgiveness, and he said, "But Jesus, there was that time, that time that I went here and and I lost control, and I I had that weekend that I really messed up, or I had this sin I committed." And Jesus says, "I don't remember that." But how about the time that I? Jesus says, "I don't remember that," because if we're forgiven, Jesus has chosen to forget and forgive our sins. And then we have received the Holy Spirit. This this binding in the Holy Spirit is what makes us one. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. It's that blessed Holy Spirit that when we're truly saved, no matter what label we use, if we put our faith in Christ, we've repented, He's forgiven our sins, we receive the Holy Spirit, and everyone who has been through this receives the Holy Spirit. Paul writes to the Romans, if anybody doesn't have the Holy Spirit, they're not part of the body of Christ. So we have that unity of the Holy Spirit. (coughs) And that unity of the Holy Spirit is part
part of what draws us together. It's a common factor that we have. We have that same baptism. And then it goes on to say again, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We read in several other places in Scripture. Paul told the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Um, So he went on, he testified. He tells them again in verse 40, be saved. And look what happened that day. Many gladly received his word. Many were baptized. And 3,000 souls joined the church that day. So they were saved, they were baptized, and they joined the church. You say, well, maybe that's the universal church. There's no indication that that was the universal church. I firmly, there is no doubt in my mind that the church can refer to the universal body of believers. They're talking about that locality, the church in Jerusalem. People got saved, they got baptized, and they joined the church. That's God's plan. That is what God desires of us. That we're saved, baptized, and, and, and we're in fellowship with that church. Now, um, not, not, not joining a local church doesn't mean you're not part of the church any more than not being baptized doesn't mean you're part, not part of the body of Christ. But that's God's plan. And that's why in our church we do have a church membership. But we've got a lot of folk, precious, dear folks who take part in our church. And, and, and we appreciate the input. We appreciate all, their, all the contributions. They're brothers and sisters in Christ who attend our church regularly. But God's perfect plan is saved, baptized, and join the church. So now we're going to look at what did the church do? Starting in verse 42. This is where I wanted to come down to. I wanted to come down to verse 42 to see what the church should be doing. And this really hit home to me because the situation we're in right now, I really, Mary can tell you, one of the one of my pet peeves, one of the things I cannot, I am not able for, is the term, we need to get ready for a new normal. And in some cases, that might be right. But what we're going to see, the stuff they're talking about is not normal. It's not normal to not be able to shake somebody's hand or give them a hug. It's not normal to not get together to watch a football match. It's not normal to not go see Ireland beat France in the Six Nations. It's not, that's not normal to not do those things. We've been doing those things as far as human history goes. That's not normal. It's never going to be normal. It might be a reality for a time, but it's not normal. And I never want us comfortable with that phrase, new normal. I don't want our church to be comfortable with the phrase, well, this is just the new normal for the church. We have all the technology that helps today. It's all there. We have YouTube, and we have Facebook, and we have Zoom, and we have... I don't know, whatever else devices out there, and I'm grateful for them. And they do allow us to to teach, but it's not normal. We'll see that here in a few minutes. We'll see more of that in just a couple minutes. So verse verse 42, Paul goes, um, Peter, no, yeah, Luke writes about the beginning of the church. He says, first of all, here's what they did. 
And here's what we as a church should be doing. Here's what we as a church universally should be doing. Here's what we as a local church should be doing. The local church is simply the local assembly or the local fellowship of believers who are part of the universal body of Christ. Now, the universal body of Christ is not going to meet together till we get to heaven. But guys, the universal body of Christ is going to meet together one day. We meet in local assemblies, local fellowships, um, based on location, based on preference, based on whatever. But the local church meets in local assembly. First thing they did, they continued steadfastly. They shared in the teaching of God's word. They shared in doctrine. The word doctrine just means teaching. That's it. They shared. Now we're blessed that because of technology that we're able to continue sharing in the teaching of God's word. And I hope we never, ever, ever take this for granted. I hope we never I hope we never say, well that's the norm, it's okay. We do have this blessed opportunity. I was reading about um, the the nineteen eighteen, nineteen nineteen flu, and they had no way of being able because it got to the point in some places where the pastor couldn't even write out a sermon and send copies to the church because the post wasn't even being carried. Phone calls weren't being made. They were in total isolation, so I'm grateful that we have the technology and I'm so glad to see so many of you here every Sunday morning logging in faithfully watching faithfully and that's a great blessing to me so that's why we do it when we come when we are meeting together as a church when we are united the focus I love the I love the singing I desperately miss the fellowship I am missing our fifth Sunday fellowship meal it's breaking my heart that we can't do that together I enjoy just the crack and the banter but the focus of why we come together the focus of being there is to be steadfast in the word and the doctrine of God that's why we read our Bibles that's why God gives us pastors and teachers and the such to keep us faithfully continuing in the doctrines, in the teachings of Jesus Christ. And the next thing he says, he says they, 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 stead, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and then he said in fellowship. Now, fellowship. This, this is kind of where I'm going with this today. If I were saying I could focus on something, this would be my focus. If you notice, um, when we put up our notice about our message, I don't call this online church. I say it's our message or our Sunday message or whatever. Because I think according to this passage, and please don't think I'm being critical of anybody else, alright? I'm not. I understand what's going on. I understand it's a matter of semantics and semantics for me as well. Because fellowship, let me tell you what fellowship is. It's in verse 42. They continue steadfastly in doctrine. They continued steadfastly in fellowship. Fellowship, the Greek word is koinonia. Koinonia is a beautiful, amazing word that says it's fellowship that deals with association and communion. Now, koinonia does not have to be a Christian word. Leinster fans have koinonia. Rugby teams have koinonia. Gathering at the pub is koinonia. It's a fellowship. It's coming together with a common purpose. Quilting circles um, 
all those things are koinonia, bridge clubs. <coughs> That's why pubs are so popular. That's why restaurants are popular. It's much cheaper to eat at home. But it's nice to go out and be amongst people. Koinonia. It's part of what the church does. We are called, we are told to continue in fellowship. We are made for fellowship. Isolation is an interesting word. Isolation, if you think about it, it means being island-like. The um, a word isle, isolation is, was pronounced isle for a long time until English decided to become more French. But anyway, isolation is island-like. Uh, I think it was John Donne who wrote, No man is an island, no man stands alone, but it was God who said it's not good that man should be alone. We are built to be together, and I think people are starting to feel the strain of missing that now. Fellowship is coming together. Now I want you to, I'm going to drop down for a second here. I'll come back here. They continue steadfasting the apostle doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers. Uh, <coughs> great signs and wonders were done. Come down to the end of verse um, 44, the beginning of verse 44. Now all who believed were together. Did you hear that? All who believed were together. They were physically together. It was not a cloud meeting. If you've been to our prayer meetings on Wednesday night, and I love them desperately, and I wish more people would attend them, it's really nice to see each other. But those who come to the Wednesday night prayer meeting, you know what I'm talking about. It's not really being together, is it? We're together in spirit. We can see each other. But this word means fellowship in this, in the, or um, the together. Yeah, together means in one place. <clears throat> We're not in one place so happy for what we do have but we're not in one place and the church were together a couple of things here Acts 20 verse 6 and 7 says the apostles met together on the first day of the week first day of the week not the Sabbath the first day of the week the apostles met together Acts 5.12, we're even told that since the church did not have a building, they met on Solomon's porch, which they hired a place in the temple for their church services. It makes me not feel so quite so bad about hiring a room in the GAA for our church service. Um, man, I long for our own building. But all the way back to the beginning, the church met in a hired room in the temple. And that was the custom for quite a while. But they were together in a place. That's what togetherness is. That's what fellowship is. The apostles met together on the first day of the week. When we read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the, the, the Lord's table passage, it says, when you come together, and then he goes on and tells them how they misused the Lord's table. But he said, when you come together. He did not say, if you come together. 
That's why this time period, the last 11 weeks have been so frustrating to me. I know. Guys, please get me. Don't don't misunderstand me. I hope you trust me enough to know what I'm saying here. I know that we need to obey the law. That's the biblical thing to do. I know we need to consider the safety of others. Yes, that's loving. We need to make sure that we don't cause a threat to the community around us by getting together when we shouldn't. I, I know that. All right? I, I, I know it's true. I also know that we need to be a good testimony. If uh, the, the, was the church? Where's the church that met on Friday? And um, the Archbishop slammed them for meeting together. Uh, to, someplace in Dublin, but they they met together. They actually had mass together, and they were slammed by the Archbishop. And and I I don't know about all that kind of politics, but look at the testimony of I mean not as far as a Christian testimony, but look at the example that church set. People saw them as not caring. So if we were to be if we were to forcibly meet together today or next week, people would see us as being unloving, uncompassionate, uncaring, and a threat to society. So we are where we are. We are where we are until God until God does something else. But this is not what it's supposed to be. Understand what I'm saying? This is not what it's meant to be. God says they met together. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2 said, They met together on the first day of the week to collect an offering. That's why we have an offering box at church, because that's what was done from the very beginning. Now, fortunately, and I thank God for those of you who are doing your, your direct debits or your standing orders for your giving for the church. Um, it's especially helpful now that we can't meet together. But they came together on the first day of the week. And then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25 said, Paul said, or the writer of Hebrews said, As you see the day approaching, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We come together to exhort each other. Excuse me. When we come together, I cannot tell you the number of times, and you say, Roger, surely this doesn't happen. You're the pastor. The number of times over the last 10 or 12 or 15 years that I have almost literally drug myself into church spiritually. Some days I've gone because I was a pastor. Well, that's a terrible thing to say, Roger. Well, some days I've drugged myself to church. I don't always feel like going. And yet every time I've gone, not once in all these years have I ever regretted going to church. I've never said I wish I hadn't gone. Preaching may not be that great, but I see people I love and they're there to put their arm around me, to tell me they're praying, to tell me I love you. I mean, those of you who know me know that I'm a pretty transparent guy. And people look at me and they say immediately, people who know me say, you're not okay, are you, Roger? What's wrong? And oh my goodness, the hugs that I've gotten, that's why we come together. That's why we can we cannot stop assembling together. This is not normal. It's not what the church did. Ephesians 5, 19-21 talks about we come together speaking to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks, um, submitting to one another in the, fear of Christ, in the fear of Jesus, in the fear of the Lord. <sighs> Missing the singing breaks my heart. 
they're saying now that even when we come back together we should not sing because of I don't know, spewing out particles or something um, I love singing together you've, most of you have seen me lead singing you know how well I do at it because I get so caught up sometimes um, I love it Hold on. so they had fellowship they came together in fellowship and they came together with a common purpose they were unanimous in their desire to worship God they had the fellowship they shared their time they shared their presence then they also came together and go back to verse 42 they continued in the, the apostle's doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and praying now fortunately we can still pray together that's part of the reason why we have Wednesday night prayer time and I'd love to see more of you guys come out because we do take a devotion we do take prayer requests we do pray together it may be online it may be through the sometimes difficult zoom tool but we do it and we can pray for each other even if we don't come to the Wednesday night prayer meeting. So, but I pray, you know, I really sometimes, I wonder, are we committed to daily praying for each other? The church prayed for each other. They were family. They prayed for the needs that we mentioned here on Sunday morning. They prayed for the needs that we mentioned Wednesday night. We have, a, <coughs> we have an ongoing prayer list for the church needs. They prayed for each other. All right, I don't know how, I should, didn't mean to jump to prayer. But they also were consistent in the Lord's table. We have not observed the Lord's table since I think it was the eighth of March is the last time we've observed the Lord's table. I agree with Doctor. I agree with John MacArthur. I don't believe you can have a cyber communion. It's a local church ordinance. It's when God's Paul, the writer of Hebrews, says, "When you come together for the Lord's table." I miss the Lord's table so much. I, I miss it desperately. I don't know how people can go months or a year without ever seeing the Lord's table. I, I mean, if you do, that's... But I don't understand. I desperately miss the Lord's table. When we first started doing it every week, I started thinking the same thing as everybody else does. Once you get used to it, won't it become common? Never has. I miss the table. I miss the fellowship. I miss the sharing. I miss the exhortation. I miss I never want to let this life become normal that we're living now. That's what God's church does. They also cared for each other down in verse 44. God gave them signs and wonders. We read about those in Hebrews um, to confirm his word. He did many great signs and wonders. But you know what? We don't have to have signs. The wonders that I've seen happen after a church meeting. I've seen fellowships restored. I've seen people come in down in the dumps. Me sometimes. Lifted up and encouraged by the work that God does when we come together. I miss that. They had unity. They were together as we said in verse 44, they were together in one place. Verse 44 and verse 45, they met needs. Now all who believed um, were together. They had all things in common. They made sure that their needs were met. That local church made sure that that church never, any nobody in that church ever had a need. And I pray, I, I've seen our church do miraculous things when there was a need in the church. They took care of each other. 
and I don't think this is just talking about financial needs. They met their emotional needs. If they lived in today's society, they'd drop by with a box of sweets or a bunch of flowers or pierogi, whatever, because that's taking care of each other. And we've been so limited here, we couldn't even do that until very recently. Their attitude, and they did it. So they continued daily in one accord. Look at that again in verse 46. They continued daily in one accord together in the temple, right? See that? They met together in the temple. That not being, that wasn't even enough fellowship for them. Because they had their Sunday morning, their Sunday service in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Man, there's so much here. I could preach for another hour. There's so much here. They met together in the temple. Not satisfied with that, they went from house to house sharing meals. Beautiful picture. And we're really not at the stage where you can do that now unless we sit outside and have a meal. That's what the church does, guys. We need that. I never, never, ever get used to what we're in right now. Please, we cannot afford to do that. They shared meals. They shared fellowship. They, they, they shared together. They were with one accord. That means they had a unity of spirit in one place. They went from house to house. They had an attitude of gladness. They gladly met together. They were really happy to see each other. And they had a simplicity, a singleness of heart. Yeah, one more thing here I want to, I want to kind of focus on um, before I get done. And like I said, I could, I could preach another week. They lived with a simplicity of heart. I've been my I've in the past before. I've let my life get way out of control. I've been reading a lot lately about Paul talks about implies he talks about live a quiet life. Three things: live a quiet life, do your job, and mind your own business. Peter told the church when they prayed for leaders, pray that God would allow us to live in in a quiet and peaceable lives. I'm really. No, I'll leave that aside. It's our business to live a quiet, simple life. Some, not Christian, some Christians, they're not Christian denominations, have been known in the, in, throughout the history as simple folk. I like that picture. What are we focused on? A simple folk. Is that us? They had sincerity of heart. They had simplicity. Then verse 47 and 48, and we're done here. They praised God always, no matter what. The church praised God from the very, very beginning. They were faithful praisers. Do we praise God? I've really been convicted about this lately. When I'm on my walk and we talk about these things, I've tried to mention in every conversation that I have this, we have this fellowship with God and I can trust Him. I don't know what's going to happen, but I talk about, I've tried to share that I'm a, I'm a born again believer. I've got faith in God and that faith is going to carry me through. And I praise Him, He's going to carry me through all of this. And they had favor with all the people. 
you know, and again, here's part of my thinking process. If we had insisted that we're going to start meeting on the first Sunday in June, no matter what happens, I said, we've got to be together. We're going to meet. That would, that would destroy this having favor with the people. It would destroy 20-some years of trying to be a testimony in this community. We've got to live with the reality. But we can't make it normalcy. And the Lord added to the church those who are being saved. We need to be praying that God would add to the church as people get saved. I tell you, I just have been, in case you can't tell, I've been so blessed by this message, so convicted and so challenged. We need to be together. And I just want to take that one thing out of this, okay? There's a lot we can talk about. God's plan is that we be together. He starts out says we need to be saved. Those who are saved need to be baptized. Those who are baptized need to join the church. And then we continue faithfully in the teaching of God's Word. We continue faithfully in fellowship. We continue faithfully in praying for each other. We continue faithfully having the Lord's table. We continue being a witness to our community. We continue sharing with each other and sharing our needs. We continue on being a good testimony to those around us. We continue praising God. We continue sharing meals together. (coughs) We continue to be glad and rejoice in the joy of the Lord. We continue with the simplicity of heart, praising God, being a favor with people, and then we trust God to add to the church. Mm-hmm. Are we doing? It's the church's birthday. We could sing happy birthday to the church, I guess. But the best way, don't you love Mary's blackboard drawing for happy birthday church? The best, you know, the best way we can celebrate the Lord, the church's birthday by being what the church is meant to be. God bless you, folks. We'll see if we have some. Do we have any prayer, any yes, new prayer requests? All right, uh, new prayer requests. We need to be praying for Ashling to get her COVID test results. She was tested yesterday at the Aviva. Be praying. With th- thank God for um, Grammy and myself and Ian all having good. Uh, <coughs> the, the COVID test being negative for all of them, <coughs> for all of us, and thank God for Caroline's good health. Um, it's not a secret anymore. She did test COVID positive, but she has no symptoms, and we thank God for that. Darlene asked us to be praying, and I think we need to be committed to this. Be praying for America, guys. It, it, it's it's The leaders need wisdom. The place is coming apart at the seams. I, I said this morning, this reminds me of 1968 2.0, except this edition came with a virus. I didn't mean to be cute, but it's a mess. Be praying for the leaders over there. The place is coming apart at the seams. And Darlene's granddaughter had a steroid shot in her back. Be praying for her. And Shauna asked for wisdom and direction for our leaders as we move into the next phase of the roadmap. Simona. Simona. I'm so, oh, sorry. I read that wrong. Simona asked us to say that kind of the same thing as Darlene. Pray for wisdom for our leaders. And I pray for wisdom every day. I don't want this thing to be going... I don't want this thing to go backwards any more than anybody else does. <clears throat> Pray for wisdom for them. Pray they can get a government form because until there's a government form, they can't really do much except make requests. So, so pray for the wisdom of our, the Irish leaders, um, people all over the world, and just pray that God would help us to get through this thing. Who would have imagined the 1st of January that by June we'd be seeing a worldwide pandemic, we'd be seeing a worldwide depression, and we'd be seeing riot, rioting in the cities of America 
um, beware when you think everything's going easy. Thank God for the chance we have to be we have to share in His Word. I'm going to pray. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you all, and we'll pray and we'll close. Father, we thank you for today, Lord. I pray that we might be the church you want us to be. Thank you for the good results for Grammy and Grampy and myself and Ian getting um, negative COVID results. Thank you for Caroline's good health that she's not had any symptoms. I pray that Ash would get her results um, even today and that they'd be negative. Lord, as our friend Arlene asked us to pray for the USA, for the rioting in the streets, Lord, it's a disaster. I've seen some horrible, horrible things happening that I can't see having a good result. Give America's leaders wisdom the president and the vice president and Congress Lord, and, and governors and other local leaders that they'd have the wisdom to make the right decisions that mayors and everybody involved and I pray for um, Darlene's granddaughter recovery from her steroid shot in her back uh, and the Lord help her to be, be have re- get comfort soon and as Simona asked us to do Lord I pray for wisdom for our leaders here as we get ready to move into the next phase of our trans, trans transition Lord, I can't imagine trying to weigh out the balance of, of a dying economy and the possibility of a pandemic. I, I, I can't even imagine being in that situation. So be with them, Lord. And I do pray for the, our roadmap out, Lord. I pray that we would be allowed, we'd be permitted to safely meet together, safely meet together as soon as it's, as it's possible. Lord, I pray for the other things on our prayer list, Lord, and I, I just pray for your strength to move forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you folks. And we'll see you, um, some of you Wednesday night. Mm-hmm.